SMQBs. This is episode 54. Uh, hard to be jubilant this week with all that's happening in the world. And the guys talk a little bit about how the sports world reacts to uh, the Ukraine uh, situation and Russia's invasion. Uh, we also talk NCAA men's basketball, talk about some bubble teams as the regular season and conference tournaments. Tournaments are going to decide who gets into the tourney this year. Uh, NBA update. We talked about the MLB lockout, which is uh, very unfortunately going nowhere fast and uh, opening day is at risk. And of course, we have our punchable face of the week, our Ted Lasso. Check this out. Leave us a five star review. But most importantly, keep Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. And from the people come up on the booth, hanging from the people on the people, my hands the roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people, I got people on the dancing on the people, I got people. SMQBs, this is episode 54. Let's see here. We got a lifetime record of 124 and 107, an ERA of 3.01, 1,502 strikeouts, 310 saves. He played for, now get this, the Chicago White Sox, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the New York Yankees, the San Diego Padres, the Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants, New York Yankees, the... It has to be a Negro or a Perry. A Negro Texas, or a Perry? Definitely not Texas a Texas Rangers, the Oakland A's, the Seattle Mariners. He was a nine time All Star, won the World Series in 1978. AL Rollades Relief Man. Not only fingers. No, not not fingers. A, it's got to be a relief guy, not Gaylord. Three time oh, oh. AL Saves Leader. He's a Monument Park honoree, a 2008 Hall of Fame uh, member with Goose 85. Gossage. Yes. Boom. Good. Had to be a Yankee. Finally got there. I didn't realize uh, he was on that many teams, though. I knew about San Diego and uh, the Yankees. I mean, that's a pretty long career. 22 yeah. seasons in the majors. Uh, he pitched from 72 to 94. <laughs> that's pretty remarkable. There was um, a, uh, oh, cricket. Oh, my Wait. God. Was this cricket wireless or is this Russian interference? Yeah, hard to know. Yeah, but right. I thought what was really interesting about uh, Gossage was that he was really one of the pioneers of the closer role. Uh, and and it's, it's that he and Ron Davis were really sort of the, like the, the guys who pioneered the idea of, of coming in in the seventh or eighth and ninth. They were actually known as firemen. You would mm-hmm. come in when there was runners, you know, the role it's firemen of the year. Yeah. yeah. And, and yep. at one stretch, Rooster, you'll like this. In one stretch, the Yankees won 77 of 79 games in which they led after uh, six innings. There was a, when he first joined the Yankees, the Yankees already had one of the best relievers in baseball, Sparky Lyle. So they had Sparky Lyle, who was a lefty, and Gossage, a righty, both big time closers, and they were just, and, you know, change them off based on who the batter was. It was amazing. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, so we're we're down a man um, we expected to be, and now we're down one who uh, whose cricket wireless just failed us. I don't know if uh, if we're going to see milk <laughs> rally on, here. Milk. Come on, milk, come back I, in. That's all right. We're uh, not talking about the uh, Tampa Bay football team. So yeah, that's right. So, well, while we're wait, let's hear from um, let's hear from our our compadre who's uh, not with us today, uh, and let's see if I can make this work. Let's see, guys. All right. Yo, it's House. Happy Lundigra, and to all of you listening on Tuesday, March first. Happy Mardi Gras, coming to you live from the Big Easy city of New Orleans. Missing everybody on the pod today, but just want to say that fuck Putin, fuck Russia, up with Ukraine, up with Villanova, who is my pick for yet another Final Four for Jay Wright. And listen, y'all can come at us as hard as you want. Now we've got Embiid, Harden, Maxi is our big three. The NBA championship 
runs through Philly. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great pod. Hope all of our listeners are enjoying this. And we'll see you next week. House out. All right. So, you know, what's his Wishful name? Harden, thinking, looks, as usual. Harden looks good in like, Harden looks good in like two games, what, one game, two games. I don't know what it is. And, and now we're going to have to listen to this shit for the, yeah, for the next right, couple of weeks. Right, I mean, right. he, uh, he looks really out of shape. Is it just me? Or, I mean, he's pudgy. I think just the opposite. I think yeah. he looks like like he, you know, suddenly he looks young. Like, oh yeah. boy, if yeah. I was, how pissed are you if you're Brooklyn? The guy no looks kidding. like he's fit. No kidding. He's like running around. Oh, he's healthy. I, you know, I used to think there's no way that uh, you know the big man upstairs paid attention to the outcomes of various sporting events and or individual athletes, but apparently I'm wrong because miraculously James Harden. A uh, hamstring and hand are better in in a week. Uh, yeah. As soon as he as soon as he joined the Sixers, he's just he's fine and he's lost all this weight. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, man, about the worst thing I can think of is the Sixers going on a long run. That would be miserable for us. It's not so. gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, this is a sports podcast, but we got um. You know, we can't ignore uh, the realities of of war. That's actually it's very, kind of weird to say that a war in Europe. Um, Rooster, you want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the sports world as it relates to Ukraine? Yeah, you know, you're right. It's um, it's times like this and and you know nine eleven that puts sports into perspective. Um, and, you know, you have to put it in perspective. But at the same time, sports can take on an all new uh, importance during these times. And that's what, what I think we're seeing um, in response to Russia's invasion of, of the Ukraine. Um, you know, beyond just the incredible bravery of everyday Ukrainians, including their world famous athletes, and we'll get to that later, who are coming home to fight for their country. Sports governing bodies all over the world are stepping up to the plate and leading by example. Um, the IOC is calling for all sports to ban Russia and Belarusia and all their athletes from sports. Um, FIFA and UEFA, uh, the, the uh, football organizations in Europe, are, have suspended Russia from all international soccer competitions, which means that the Champions League will no longer be held in St. Petersburg this year, which is a 68,000 uh, arena called Gazprom Arena. That was going to be a big event for them. That's Huge out. Loss. Huge Where did loss they move that to? Paris? Uh, Paris, I think. That, that's what was being discussed. Yeah. F1 has yeah. an, announced they're not holding the Russian Grand Prix this year after drivers like Vettel and Max spoke out and said they wouldn't be going even if they were. Um, let's back up though. Um, think, think about the IOC's call for every sports agency to ban Russia. What do you guys think about that? Is that, I mean, I'm, I think it should happen, but what do you, do you think that, uh, that it's the province of, uh, international sports organizations to make that call right now? You know, we, um, we're having a little bit of a of a backlash in in the U.S. on the idea of of political correctness and and making sure that people's feelings don't get hurt and and I think that's something we're as a country we're trying to figure out the right thing for this this situation is one where you have a ruthless dictator who has decided to go into a sovereign nation and is killing people. And, and, and let's leave aside the Russian soldiers who, by the way, probably don't really care to be there themselves and don't know what they're fighting for. Right. But this is war. And it's very strange uh, because it's playing out in some ways on TikTok and Instagram. And and the, the Ukrainians have uh, have shown um, just just fierce, fierceless, uh, fierce and fearlessness in fighting back. And so it's, it's very odd, but you do have to recall that, that this is a war and thousands of people are dying and more will die. And I'm happy that 
of any organization, for any organization, sports or otherwise, to just flat out say, fuck this. We are not going to tolerate it. Um, I, I, I got an email uh, from an organization I'm involved in um, that will remain completely nameless. It's not one that, that most listeners here would, would know of where they, the person sending it said, well, I'm not an expert in geopolitics. So I, I just want to really focus on this part of on the refugee crisis, right? Bullshit, bullshit. Stand up. This is, this is black and white. There's no gray mm-hmm. here, right? Stand up and lead. And so good for whatever sports organizations are, are saying that. By the way, today, uh, Russian troops are fi- essentially firing shrapnel at residential buildings and killing women and children. In, yeah. in Karak, which is part of the Donbass that they claim that is already there. So they're, essentially doing it to themselves. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, the whole thing is complicated. You know, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw the, the video and I don't know his name is some professional tennis player that wrote on the camera, mm-hmm. of, you know, no war. No, He's Russian, right. right? Yep. That was the irony of the whole thing. And so I, it's complicated because I feel sorry for these athletes at the same time who may have those similar beliefs that they're against their government going into Ukraine. They don't right. want to be there. They don't want war. And now, unfortunately, they're going to get punished too. Right. These soccer players, we don't know their views on things. That's right. There's uh, plenty of Russian citizens showing tremendous courage out in the streets protesting this, and which is illegal. And they're getting rounded up and, and yeah, taken right. to the gulag, essentially. They won't be seen again, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And these hockey players, right? These NHL guys. Well, that's 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 well, but, that's a topic we're going to get to in a minute. But but they're yeah. not they're not calling for these guys to not be able to participate, right? They're, nobody's saying that Russian athletes. Oh, the IOC be, is. Yeah. saying that that athletes should not participate. Yeah, yeah, because originally some of the uh, proposals were to ban Russia and let the athletes participate under a different name, sort of like we did at the Olympics. Yeah. And now the IOC is just saying no, no Russian athletes, no Belarusian athletes, all of them are out until further notice. Well, that's, the, I, that's I, what they're proposing. I guess that's, that's a little, I mean, I, I think also when you're talking about the Olympics or, you know, international competition, it's a little different than, than, you know, like the Russian hockey players in the NHL, for instance, like for the NHL to come players. out and say those guys shouldn't be allowed to play or tennis players shouldn't be allowed to compete. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that strikes me as a little bit different than um, the IOC saying we, we're not going to let Russia, you know, as an entity participate. Um, I don't know. I, th- that seems a little different to me. Well, sp- we, speaking of the NHL which it has by far the most Russian and Ukrainian athletes of all of the American, North American major sports. Um, the NHL still has not released an official statement. And there's been a little brouhaha between Alex, Alex Ovechkin, who, as we know, is a pro Putin guy and uh, hall of fame goalie, retired goalie, Dominic Hasek. So Alex uh, Ovi came out originally and said, please, no more war, which was a good sentiment. But then he followed that up with Putin is my president and the war is a hard situation right now for both sides. I mean, what the fuck? The war is a hard situation for Ukraine. It's a piece of cake for Russia who decided to voluntarily invade their neighbors. Um, They're getting the shit out of them. Yeah. I mean, come (laughs) on. Come on, Ovi. I mean. So, so here's uh, Hasek's response. He tweeted out calling Ovi, quote, chicken shit, and said Putin was a mad killer and demanded that the NHL suspend all Russian players. What are your thoughts on that demand? All right. That's, I can't that's get a little extreme. No way. We can't do that. Yeah. I so mean, what about a player we, like Ovi who's declaring his allegiance to Putin? Brewster. Are you going to continue? The lightning wouldn't exist anymore. We can't do this. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean we need Christ. to be able to field a team. War, I think war it's war, motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it's the more complicated question is: Do you? Do I, as a Caps fan uh, and as an Ovechkin fan, 
continue to root for him? That's the harder question. Right. I mean, right. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think you know the league should pull guys off the ice. I mean, it's you know it is complicated for Russian citizens, right? We talked about this and that um, you know for many of them. Um, they have, you know, Russians have a national pride. A lot of them do not, not all of them. I mean, we know that there's a lot out there marching against this and protesting and putting their own lives and, and, uh, liberty at risk by, by doing it. But there are a lot of Russians who, you know, grew up in that country and love their country and, and have national pride. I don't, I think they're wrong. Uh, but I don't know that you pull them off the ice or, or off the courts, uh, just because they're they're have Russian passports, but man, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you're, it makes you're, it a little more complicated yeah, to for a guy, that, a guy though. That's probably right, but I have to tell you, I'm also a Caps fan and an Ovi fan, and I can't root for Ovi anymore. I just I'm done. I'm just done with him. You can't be a Putin lover and uh, you know take all this money from U.S. Uh, capitalism. At the, you know one or the other, dude. One or the other. Stop telling us how much you love Putin. I agree with the uh, house. Fuck Putin. Fuck Russia. Fuck Ovi. It'll it'll be a stain on on Ovi though long term if he continues to do what he's doing. Yeah, we'll see. It's what, too oh, late for that. Yeah. Well, well you know, I, yeah, we're, he might we're change six course. days into the war. I mean, right. I think if if they had a a ceasefire in in a couple of weeks, I mean, I think I don't think that'll affect him long term, but. If this thing drags on and he's vocal and out front about it, then absolutely, and and that probably could hurt the caps. Wait, well, wait. Let's 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 be fair about the the whole thing, though. I mean, his quote wasn't "Go Russia, crush Ukraine," right? I mean, you know, he originally came out and and said that it was you know it was, he didn't want to see any war. He didn't think war was right. Um, I'm sure he heard from Mother Russia after those comments came out, and he probably had some pressure to walk him back a little bit, quite honestly. Uh, you know, he's not cheering on the Russian army necessarily. And he he has always had and he's been open about a relationship with Putin. And, and again, I mean, I, look, these guys are athletes. They're not diplomats. They're not they're not, you know, political leaders. They're not moral leaders. They're not thought leaders. Um, you know, shit. I wish he hadn't said that. That's for damn sure. I wish right. he didn't feel that way. I wish he would have just stuck with the original uh, war. You know, let's not have any more war. That you know, stop, stop yeah. it there, Alexander. Uh, oh, and this just in: the International uh, Society of Judo just revoked Putin's honorary presidency. Oh, that's gonna. Oh, sting. That, that's gotta. That sting. Could be, that's gonna stink. That's gonna stink. <laughs> that could be DefCon One, right? You know, there. he's a black belt. We're at DefCon Judo, right? One. We are at DefCon One now. <laughs> oh, he's fueling the news. This is clearly the last pod. Shit. It's been a pleasure, boys. That's been fun. You you can't take judo from Putin. Oh no, she's not a black belt uh, anymore. Do they have belts in judo? I, I think you know the 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 sports. The way sports, you know, comes into this, though, is really a, a kind of a microcosm of how all of this is just so different than than, you know, previous wars in, in Europe. And um, of course, you know, w- this has our attention and we're talking about a war in Europe. We, we've had wars in the Middle East and in Africa for for generations and decades and nobody's, um, you know, given it as much coverage. So there's a, there's probably a different podcast there to talk about that. That's probably not best said on this, on this topic, but the idea of even talking about how it affects the sports world, to me, it's just part of this weird thing that, that everything's recorded, everything's videotaped, everything's shared on social media. Um, I mean, it's almost like a spectator sport. Uh, and, and I just hope that people don't get caught up in the, in the funny memes and the, and the, um, you know, the, the stories that kind of, make you put a smile on your face about how ballsy these Ukrainians are. Uh, a lot of people are going to die. And, and no matter how, how much dubbed music there is on a TikTok video, this is serious, scary shit for people. And, and uh, you know, the sports world should support stopping it in any way they can, but it's not spectator sport. Yeah. Good point. You're here. You're here. So, um. You know, listen, uh, it's probably it's probably not the right the right word to use now, because, you know, this is what we always have these moments where we talk about athletes going to war and, and everything. But, you know, we, we talked about a 
NCAA basketball, uh, the Saturday massacre, again, probably not the right word to use this week. Um, but, um, I mean, what the heck happened in, in the top 10 this weekend uh, in NCAA men's basketball? Unbelievable. I mean, Carnage, one through six lost just on Saturday. Yeah. And nine. And then nine, Texas Tech uh, lost to unranked TCU. It, you know, some of these teams, like Gonzaga lost to number 23, St. Mary's. Arizona, Arizona lost to unranked Colorado. But we remember from last year's tournament, March Madness tournament, Colorado's a, a feisty team. Um, yeah. My point... Purdue lost to unranked MSU. My point is that these unranked teams there are good. There's a lot of parity this year in uh, NCAA men's basketball, and there are a lot of good teams on the bubble or that are in, but and could do a lot of damage. So let's talk about that. You guys are uh, more knowledgeable than I am about the various conferences, so I'm going to ask you to uh, talk to talk to the listeners about the teams on the bubble in a couple of these conferences. We'll start with you, Milk. You got the SEC. All right. So I've got locks for the tournament at Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee. I'm going to throw Arkansas, Alabama, who has that win against Gonzaga earlier in the year, and LSU. I there's one other team. There's only one bubble team. And unfortunately that's my Florida Gators who are sitting there. Uh, they got their 18th win on, on Saturday. They have two good, good quality wins. Uh, Auburn at home, which I was there to see, which was an awesome game. Uh, they beat Ohio state earlier in the year, but they have one of the worst losses also in probably all of college basketball this year to an 0-7 Texas Southern team in the in December, um, who may not have won another game all year. I don't know. I don't follow them. But uh, they're heavily on the bubble. I, they've got to beat Vanderbilt this week, and then I think they may have to beat Kentucky Saturday at home. If they don't, they're probably going to have to win at least one maybe two games in the, in the SEC tournament. But other than that, I mean, look, it's a good year for the SEC. Six teams I've got locked into the tournament. Maybe a seventh of Florida uh, can take care of business. We'll see what happens. In the, uh, I'm well, also gonna... Speaking about a conference that did, does well, or at least did last year, you, were, you called out the Pac-12 last year. You think they're going to do as well this year? No, they suck, as usual. I only got three locks. For the tournament, of course, Arizona, who is a very good team. I know they mm-hmm. lost to Colorado, but I, they're they're definitely top five. Uh, UCLA got in there, and USC. They're both top twenty teams. My my bubble team. I've only got one other two that that might make it out of the Pac twelve. That's Oregon. They had a bad loss Saturday. They needed to really beat USC to beef up their resume because they've got they've had some bad losses to to Cal, uh, Arizona State, both with losing records. Um, they have two more games this week, both in Washington on the road, Washington, University of Washington and Washington State. They may have to win those both uh, to, to get in. Uh, so we'll, we'll see or, you know, make some sort of just makes another another run in the tournament or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I've got Oregon, Oregon on the bubble. I think they've got to, they've got to maybe win both the games this week. Uh, Colorado's out. I don't have them in a tournament, even with that win. Oregon uh, played Arizona what a, a week or two ago. They yeah, should have won that game. They did. They had that game in in the bag. They took them down to the to the wire. They have some good wins. They beat USC. They beat UCLA. Um, they took Arizona down to, to they only lost by three. I think I like Oregon. I, I mean, I think maybe they win one of those Washington games they get in. Um, but I think you've got three solid locks out of the pac 12. All right. Not that much. Let's, let's move on to the ACC Pope. Oh, painful. I know who your bubble team is. <laughs> yeah. So the ACC is having a, pretty much a historic poor year uh, as evidenced by the fact that there is one team ranked in the top 25 
with only a week to go in the regular season. And that's insane. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the American Conference with Houston and I think the Ohio Valley Conference also have one team in the top 25. So how far is the ACC gone? Obviously, Duke and Coach K's last year is performing well. Not great, but well. They're definitely a lock uh, for the for the tournament. And then Notre Dame is coming on strong. They're the number two in the ACC, and I would say they're pretty much a lock. And then, then we get to the bubble. Now, <clears throat> being very objective, I think North Carolina is, by all accounts, okay. probably, <laughs> as of now, okay. they're probably a 10 seed, realizing they only have one win against Quadrant 1 teams. Uh, they have, they've, had, they've struggled this year. They've been very inconsistent. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They, you know, they're going to get a double bye to the ACC tournament, which means they, they might only play one game depending on if they can win that game or not. Uh, next behind them is Miami, who blew out North Carolina uh, in one of their horrible losses. And so you would think Miami would be a lock, but they have slipped lately, had a real bad loss the other night to Virginia Tech. And, you know, you got to put Miami in the bubble. They're also, they're number four right now on the ACC. And then you got Virginia Tech also in the bubble. Lost well, North Carolina about, at home. Wake and Virginia, aren't they ahead of Virginia Tech? They are, but Virginia Tech has a higher uh, rating based on their net, based on the quadrant wins. Um, and the one team that you really, you know, you mentioned them, Rooster, is is Virginia. I, I think the committee is going to really struggle with what to do with Virginia. They they have some really bad losses, but they also beat Duke. They, and they to took them to the wire just a uh, week Duke ago. At, at Duke, right? Beat yeah, Duke and then, at and then Duke. in Charlottesville, yeah. they almost beat them. Yeah, lost on the last possession to Duke. Um, in Charlottesville and you know Jay Billis was calling the game and he said you can't convince me that these are not tournament a, a tournament team he said they definitely passed the eye test right well they may pass the eye test but their body of work would tell you otherwise I don't know yep. what they're going to do I think UVA is the team I would look at they need to do well the last couple uh, games and they need to have at least probably semis of the ACC tournament uh, in order to to get into the tournament um Hey, they, hey, they didn't Pope. help their cause turning around and losing to Florida State. No, no. Hey, that's Pope, a horrible uh, loss. But that uh, was, on a side that note, was that last second miracle shot, right? Yeah, but still. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. So, side note, Pope, when was the last time Duke won the regular season ACC? You know the answer to this? The last time Duke won? This is a yeah, the start. regular season. You know that, Milk? <laughs> Did you hear this? It's been no. a while. What is it? I think it's 2010. No, I think they've won since then, but what what Duke does is they focus on the ACC tournament like no other team. They they put all of their emphasis on winning the ACC tournament, and and Krzyzewski is very successful at it, and he uses that as a launching pad, usually to get a number one or two uh, NCAA seed. Um, I think Duke right now, even though they're number five because of the carnage in the top ten, they were the, the few that survived, and they did survive. I think they're probably going to be a two seed. Uh, I'm just confirming for you. The last time they won the regular season was 2010. Wow. I think they won the tournament that That year too. Wow. That's crazy, right? Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So Pope, you're still up. You've got the big 12. Yeah. So in my backyard, you know, the big 12 basketball this year has been really fun to watch. I mean, Baylor defending national champion. They are starting to come on. Big win against KU. Uh, KU is always, you know, up there. They're one game ahead of Baylor going into the final uh, week. Uh, then you got Texas Tech, which they've been playing great. Bad loss uh, to TCU, and I have TCU as one of my bubble teams. So my locks are so far KU, Baylor, Texas Tech, and UT. And then the bubble teams are Iowa State, TCU, and OU. Um TCU has an opportunity. They play Tech. They play Kansas the next two games. Just kind of odd quirk in, in uh, scheduling. They mm. play them at home tonight and then at KU on Thursday before closing out at West Virginia. They could do a lot of good this week if they would either beat Kansas or play them really close on both games and then you know win a couple games in the tournament. But um, at one point there were eight teams from the Big Twelve that were. Uh, either in or on the bubble. So obviously the uh, committee and, uh, you know, Jerry Palm and the bubble guy uh, like the Big 12. Yeah. 
Um, it's like that last year. Yeah, so well, Bison, I mean, Baylor won the national championship, right. so they validated it. Yep. Bison, we're saving the best for last yeah. because all is right in the basketball world again. Connecticut is back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Tell us about the Big East. Uh, you, well, I thought we were going to do the best for last. That that means we got to well, cover the Big Ten. No. Well, why don't you do the all right, do the Big Ten first, and then we'll do the finale. So, we'll do the Connecticut special. I mean, listen, I, I sort of – I'm with you, Rooster. I mean, I really don't think any of this really means anything other than the Big East, so whatever. Uh, right. But we'll do it just because <laughs> some people listen. Um, you know, the Big Ten's probably going to get six teams in, and I think the teams that are kind of fighting uh, for for – Two of the spots. Well, so let's say who are the locks? I guess Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan State are probably the locks. Um, you know, they're, they're going to get in. But the rest of the teams that are sort of fighting to get in are Iowa, Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers. Um, and those teams, I got to tell you, the one that's most interesting to me because of everything that's happened with their coach is Michigan. Uh, really curious to see if they can get in. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, who's, who's running them as, as the interim head coach right now, Mark Telly, right? Yeah. Phil Martelli, who's got a pretty good pedigree. That's not such a bad guy to have to bring in as an interim coach. If you're trying to, to make a run into the tournament. So, uh, it, that's, that's kind of interesting. That's, that's what I'm most interested in. Uh, in that conference is is Michigan to see what they can do. And I guess they've got, let's see, who do they have left on the schedule? Um, they have two games and they've got, let's see, no, no, they have three games. They have Michigan State, <laughs> Iowa, and Ohio State. So, you know, that, that, that Iowa That's game tough. might be, you know, might be a, a sort of a play-in game in some ways. It could, it could yeah. end up being a play-in yeah. game. So, you know, that's that's what's going to be interesting in the Big Ten. But, you know, who, again, who really gives a shit about the Big really, Ten? Really, let's move on to the Mecca. Let's move can, on yeah, to the Mecca. Big, can Izzo perform another miracle? Can he get in? Big, can, can Izzo get in? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, they're they're yeah, really I mean, on the bubble, aren't they? Well, I think they've, they're right there. I mean, I think they've got a shot. I mean, you know, you got you got tournaments, too. So anything can happen. But, so yeah. look, the Big East is really, um, you know, the, the Big East was the best basketball conference in America until uh, some schools thought about football was more important. Until 1989. No, that's not true. I mean, even in, in, up until 2013, they probably were the best conference in the country uh, year <laughs> in and year out. Um, and they're coming but, back. Yeah, they're back now. And, and they're going to get seven teams probably in. It looks like Providence. Uh, by the way, shout out to Providence, who won their first ever regular season Big East championship, uh, I guess, with a win, I think, last night. Um, so good for Providence. Yeah. Uh, Providence, Villanova, UConn, uh, Marquette, Seton Hall, and Xavier are all in. I think the team that, that's the seven, the seventh team that will get in, I think they will get in. Um, I'm not sure that they really are a bubble team, but that's Creighton. And, um, and I did, you know, Creighton's got to play, uh, they took a, they took it on the chin Saturday. So against Providence, so that probably doesn't help them, but they've got Connecticut and Seton hall, uh, to close out before the tourney, they'll probably get in. Um, I did do a little, uh, investigative reporting and heard from our man on the ground, uh, our Creighton fan, uh, Craig Kelly, that they lost their point guard who was a freshman and he was the backup point guard actually. Uh, so the first guy has been out with a hip problem. And then this kid came in and played pretty well. Uh, and now he's out with a broken, I think a broken wrist or, or uh, some sort of wrist injury and he's out. So they're, they're the bubble team in the big East. Uh, but look, let's be honest. The big East tournament is the most interesting thing to watch in basketball. The NCAA is fun because you get some upsets, but if you really want to see the best tournament of the season, you, you watch, you watch Madison square garden, the big East tournament. That's right. I've got a question. Is Georgetown going to win a conference game this year? I don't got, think so. Two more tries? They do have two more tries and I don't but think they're, they're going to. But they're, really, they're young and they're getting better. Uh, hold on. How do you, uh, what do you do with, with Ewing? Ewing's going to get another year. 
Um, oh, I, I'll 19? Yeah, he's going to get another year. Um, it's it's been a weird year. I mean, they've played they played some teams really tough. Like they played Villanova really tough. They played Connecticut pretty tough the other day. Yeah. Um, I mean, they I, I it's so disappointing that it's hard to to hear like oh they're close and they're young, but they actually might be. I mean, they they might actually be young and and close. And so Ewing will get one more year, but I that's it. I mean, this is going to be the worst the worst season in Georgetown history. I mean, there's, you know, so there's no question about that, but I I think he'll get one more year and, and um, you know, there might be a little promise there. I don't know. So one more thing on, on college hoops. I know we're not, we don't have the brackets out yet, but uh, let's get out ahead of all the prognosticators pick one team. That's not going to be ranked uh, one, two or three seed will be a surprise final four participant bison i like davidson uh and the reason i do is their three-point shooting davidson may not even get in no i think they're gonna get in and and they may not you're right but it's supposed to be a surprise team and it's and we're right. supposed to not pick a, a one two four <laughs> seed. Right, like so like you know you got to go with someone who might not get in but um they shoot like close to 42% from the three. Uh, and I think if, you know, if you get a team that can hit a bunch of three pointers that can, that can cause problems. So that's, that's my pick. Milk. All right. I love this team. I don't know if they're going to make the final four, but they're going to make a run. Big run. Murray state. The racers. 28 and two undefeated in the Ohio Valley conference, 18 and zero. And they have maybe one of the best players in the country. This guy, KJ Williams, junior forward, leads the team in pretty much everything. Points, rebounds, steals, blocks, you name it. He's going to be one of those guys where everybody, he's going to become a household name after this tournament. Mark my words, KJ Williams. You will know his name in a few weeks. House picked uh, Villanova and his in his video. That's not exactly. That's he not really exactly. went That's, out on a limb. That there. wasn't the yeah. spirit what are they of the ranking? game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'm going to go with Arizona. What do, you th- what do we think? Yeah. UC- what do we think UCLA will be seated at? I think there'll be a four seed. That's UCLA. about right. So that's my pick. It's out, out of the top three seeds. I, they have their whole team back. And remember last year, they caught fire right, right yeah. during the tournament. Sure. Yeah. I like and that pick. Bruce their sure. starters are all back. Every one of them. Yeah, See, that's I, my pick. I, they were too good for, you know, I, I went with a real long shot there. I thought no, that you was guys, you guys, it, you guys are more in the spirit of the question. But, but, but UCLA, and, tactical, but uh, UCLA and Arizona split, right? They split the home and home yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah I thought I yeah. think UCLA is a good team. Yeah, well, UCLA actually could go to a Final Four. Yeah. Davidson yeah. and Murray State, not likely. All right, so so I've got a, I got an, I got an SEC team for you. Who is it, Milk? Uh I'm going to say it's Tennessee. Pig. Suey. Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. No, they're balling right now. And you know that. They just beat you guys. I I watched that whole game. And and they beat Kentucky. I'm not not feeling Arkansas. All right. All right. They beat Tennessee, Florida, and Kentucky back-to-back-to-back. That's pretty stout. That is good. Uh, I like by the way, Milk, uh, uh, not basketball related, but I was watching uh, a little track competition today on uh, during lunch. Good and Lord. The Gators. <laughs> the Gators. <laughs> wait a minute. Can we the Gators cleaned up. We rewind. Your Gators cleaned up. Men and women. What? At your office? Uh, no, on the TV. Bar? I was having lunch at a sports bar. And, <laughs> and you just track. decided to watch a there, little track there's competition. There's a track. I didn't like, have control of the of the remote. Hey, hey can you change it to the SEC track? Uh, yeah, I'd like you know, to catch. I don't want to watch the replay. The SEC this, track you know, NBA game. and the Gators were kicking ass. Could we see the Gainesville relays, please? Throw Gainesville <laughs> relays on, on the Ocho, please. Well, the steeplechase right. was over. All right. What a way to close yeah. out! What a what a way to close out NCAA basketball. Oh, Dude, God. By the way, next week tournament. 
tournaments start. Yeah. This starts to get the best time of the year for, for sports other than obviously football playoffs, Super Bowl. Well, Georgetown wow. needs to go on a serious run if they're going to be in the tournament. <laughs> so maybe, maybe tournament. They're not out they're, of it, Bison, by any They're spot. not out of it. They're, they're not, not out of it. Not they until they, they lose their last year. conference game, That's tournament right. game. Milk, let's talk about the grown-ups in hoops. NBA. I've been waiting for you guys to turn the NBA over to me, by the way. I, I, I've forgotten more about the NBA than you guys know. What's the next <laughs> one? Right. Is that since you started studying this morning? <laughs> so this up. This update is going to be on the forgotten side of things. Is that right? This is exactly. I've got so let's we're going to hand it over to real NBA analyst Pope and Rooster. But quick, we're going to talk about the West and the East right now. Oh, uh, that's good. You knew there was a West and an East. The Western Eastern Conference. Brutal. FYI, uh, the West top Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis top top three teams. Although, who's the hottest team in the NBA right now? Denver Celtics. Denver, that's correct. Brian Pope, six straight. Yep. Um, and they're they're tied with my watching And how many people are watching them? Zero. <laughs> yeah, Nobody no watches kidding. them. How play. about that stat? But, yeah. Uh, but the real, the real excitement is in the East. Six teams all within five games, I think, from the Pete down to the Celtics. Uh, so that should be exciting. But I don't want this conversation to end without – did we – doing a discussion on the 76ers and um, what's his name? Embiid's unstoppable comment. Did we, did you guys cover that already? No, not yet. No, no, no. Have you been paying attention to any of this show? That was the kiss of no. Remember, no, I no, he was, he was. Oh, he right. got cricket. He was I off. Forgot. I forgot. I when Toby did his deal. He was off. Yeah. I think that was the kiss of death. So, anyways, Pope, let's go. We'll start with you with the West. Uh, take us. Well, through. I mean, you, you know, you kind of laid it out uh, milk with the top three uh, you know nobody's going to catch the suns they got a six game lead that's that's prohibitive uh but you know there is some definitely interesting um between golden state and memphis can memphis catch golden state they're only a game and a half back now and they're playing some good ball and with ja who's like the most exciting guy in the nba right now uh i i think there's a good chance memphis gets into that two seed uh, Utah is playing well. Um, can they catch uh, Golden State? Probably not. Uh, and Dallas and Denver are deadlocked. Uh, after last night, Dallas was going to be behind the game, but somehow, some way, they willed themselves to beat the the Warriors. Came back in the fourth quarter, outscored them twenty six to one in a stretch, and that was a ridiculous game, thirty three to thirteen in the fourth quarter. Uh, so. You know, your top five in, in the West, I think, is probably locked in. The question is, who's going to get home court between Dallas, Denver, and Utah? And then next you look at Minnesota and the Clips are at seven and eight, uh, and they are three and a half games clear of the nine seed, which is right now the Lakers, which are two and a half clear of the 10 seed, which is the Pelicans, who are tied with Portland, and the Spurs are one game back. So, you know, you got your play-in tournament. I think Minnesota and the Clips are definitely going to be seven, eight, one, one, either one and eight or seven, and then the Lakers will probably be slotted in at nine, and then you have the Pelicans, Blazers, Spurs, and even the Kings are only half game behind that. Those four teams will battle it out for the tenth seed, uh, just to lose in the playoffs. Uh, that's probably you know what the what the West looks like. Um, Last right, night, so, the Lakers lost by 28 points to the Pelicans at home, and their yep. fans booed them off the court. Yep, uh, but, you know, the Lakers would have to have a catastrophic collapse to miss the, the 10 seed at this point. And okay. Denver, De- Denver is hot right now without Murray and Porter Jr., and they're both scheduled to come back for the playoffs. Yes, absolutely, Rooster. So, you know, the top five in the West is going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, it, they're not as close stacked as the east but it's still going to be interesting to watch let me okay, ask you so. this bison how are you feeling this trade after uh dinwiddie's performance last night did you see that so um did he go off last night no i didn't see the last the, night. the mavs were down by 20 yeah i know that points, 24 points 21 points and they had luca on the bench and dinwiddie led them to a 19 to one run. 
That's so, okay because KP's kicking ass in in uh, Washington. Well, I mean, look, Dinwiddie, Washington season just got completely derailed with the Beal uh, injury, right? Right at the trade deadline, everything that that could go wrong went wrong. Dinwiddie apparently was was not liked in the locker room. I was very excited when when the Wizards started the season off. Remember, they they were I think they were like a half game out yeah. of first place at one point. I mean, they looked right. great, Playing and a lot game. of that was because of Dinwiddie. Um, but he was not really liked in the locker room. Um, and, you know, I know, I know Pope feels like they, they won that trade by getting rid of Porzingis, but I can tell you, Washington feels a hell of a lot better having gotten rid of Davis Bertans, who you have for $80 million. I mean, that was like the worst contract yeah. that was worse than the John wall deal. So as, as much as you guys didn't like Porzingis, um, I I'd rather get rid of, uh, that loser Bertans and, and have, uh, have a shot at Porzingis being good. He's had a couple of good games since he's been with the Mavs. I, you know, he's an eighty million dollar couple good games a season guy. That's exactly what you want out of that. Well, you know, Jay Kidd is uh, got something going. So let's see. Can somebody explain to me? Uh, or I mean, I mean, not me. Totally, our listeners, definitely not me, because I clearly know. But what is this? What is the playoff situation? Because I know they added something new last year, but they're bringing it back. So the top six are in, right? But then there's yeah, some yeah. format. Here, so I'll do that with the East. Explain that to our listeners. All right. So the top six in each conference are automatically in. Okay. And then you go seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, seven and eight get two chances to win one game. If they win a game, they're in. The ninth and ten seeds have to win two straight to get in, and so you don't want to be nine or ten, especially if you're a team like the Lakers right now who can't put together two straight wins. Um, so right now in the East, the the top six, if the season ended today, the top six would be number one, the Heat; two, the Bulls; three, the Seventy Sixers; four, the surprise team of the year, the Cleveland Cavaliers, with a great young nucleus, which could be totally disrupted by LeBron James once again, if he has his way, uh, the, the five, the bucks and six, the Celtics who the last time we talked had the best, um, 10 game record. And this, this time in the last 10 games, they're eight and two. So they're still rolling and they're actually playing defense. The two teams I really want to talk about in the top six though, are the bucks, which I think we all agreed bucks were kind of a favorite to get, get back to the, championship game doesn't look like that right now the way they're playing in the last 24 games they've won 12 and lost 12 mm. uh chris middleton is is has still not found it he's still playing like crap and without Giannis, they've got nothing right now i mean they're 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 a 500 team unless Giannis goes off uh so a little concerned about the bucks the other one is the sixers just like milk said after two games with uh, the beard, uh, Embiid is saying they're unstoppable. Is that what he said? That's what he said. Uh, you know, two uh, one game against the uh, the Timberwolves and one against the crappy Knicks. I mean, that's a little bit premature, I think. But I'll give him his due. Harden, who hasn't done squat all year for the Nets. Went off uh, for 27, 8, and 12 against the T Wolves and 29, 10, and 16 against Clee Healed. I mean, his hamstring looked pretty good. He was sprinting, playing defense. Who knew? How annoyed uh, are the Nets, by the way? Yeah, oh no my kidding. God, beyond. The Nets, the Nets have Kyrie, who won't play at home. And, right. And, no, he's about to again. Yeah, and Harden, who sabotaged his way off the team. Hard, you know, you, but Kyrie's, uh, you know, New York City is it may may lift the mask. I mean the vaccine requirement mandate. Right. That's, a, that's the public mandate. There's still private mandates, and um, yeah. the Nets follow the a private mandate, so they'd have to lift it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so he's not necessarily back when when we thought he would be back. Um, I mean it's it's not really fun to talk about uh, about loser teams and and but. I mean, I gotta, I gotta ask Rooster, what happened to the Knicks? I mean, there was so much promise after the playoffs yeah, last yeah. year. Um, what, what's going on? I mean, it's, they're, it's they're behind the Wizards right now. It's heartbreaking. They, they went into the offseason and disrupted that 
gritty, gutty, defensive-minded team and traded for uh, Fournier and um, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker has been benched twice and has decided to sit himself for the rest of the season because he's he's a he's just done. He's his NBA career is over. We overpaid for him, and um, Rose got hurt, so we got no point guard. And Fournier is like one. If he plays against the Celtics, he's amazing. And then every against everyone else, he plays no defense and misses most of his shots and and is and disappears in the fourth quarter. So our offense is just stagnant. And Thibodeau is doing typical Tibbs. He he whips young teams into shape, and by year two, everybody on the team hates his guts. And that's what's going on right now. The whole team is against him. So um, well, anyway. There's no, doing? there's no, <laughs> is there anything? <laughs> Milk, you okay? Are you, are you dancing? <laughs> so he's moving locations. Yeah, just had to move locations. Had, uh, so, so, so get back to the East. The, team, the teams on the seven, eight, nine, and 10 bubble are the Raptors, Nets, believe it or not, Hornets and Hawks. And, you know, like you were saying, how, you, being a Nets fan right now, it's got to be infuriating. Durant's about to come back, and to what? You know? Well, look at that. The Nets, Hawks, and Knicks. I mean, weren't those three of the final four teams Yep. last year yep. in the East? Yeah, the, the Knicks lost to the Hawks, who then went and on to beat the Sixers. Yeah. And the Hawks can't get it together this year. They're, they act like they're bored with the whole thing because they went to the playoffs one time. Right. The Hornets are pulling their year-end crash and burn like they always do. They have the worst record in the last 10 games of any uh, team in the top 10. And, you know, the Nets have got Ben Simmons to look forward to someday when when Durant comes back and Kyrie part-time. Um, the latest on Ben Simmons is now he's not coming back because he's got a tweaked lower back. How did he tweak his back? He's just been sitting at games and watching. I think he's afraid to come back for the, for the Sixers game. And they're trying to put it off until after that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, what does that tell you? I mean, you know, it's time to rip off the bandaid and be a big boy and get it over with, man. If you can't play against the Sixers in a regular season game, how in the world are you going to help a playoff team? (laughs) You're not. What if they see the Sixers in a seven game? Right. Right. Yep. It's just Mm -hmm. nuts. Yeah, well, Rooster. It, it looks like uh, your teams are locked in in the East. You look like seven through ten. You know, unless the Raptors would come up and get Boston, it looks like y'all are kind of locked in there. Those yeah. four teams, because I don't think the Wizards are going to go on a run, and clearly the Knicks are not. Oh no, uh, the Wizards will the, go on a run. They will yeah. because yeah. it will do nothing for them other than screw up their draft. Right, the draft picks that they have. Yeah. So right. and you know, and it's they're, also they're for a sure question. Going on a run. <laughs> it's not just a question of them going on a run, but the Hornets and the Hawks are very capable of going on a losing streak the way they've been playing yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, race to the bottom in the East. All right. Yep. Well, lots of NBA to go still. Uh, you know, we'll see. It's it's uh, some of the NBA, the most interesting stuff with the NBA sometimes are the teams that chip the bed uh, in the season. Certainly looks looks that way in some regard, but at least until we get to the playoffs. Look, we got to do a quick – Good job, Milk. Uh, yeah, good job, Milk. Um, Thanks, guys. I- we we got to do a quick MLB update. Um, so uh, April 2nd, 2022, that's Nationals opening day, or is it? Uh, because right now it looks like um, th- there's not much progress being made. Uh, and today was the day, as we reported last week, today was the day that the owners had originally said, if there's no deal in place, then you're going to lose regular season games uh, and, and we'll lose opening day. And um, I've been keeping an eye on, on Twitter and on, on all the, the, you know, the minute by minute updates. And it doesn't look at this point uh, that there's any, anything that's really happened. And I got to tell you, it seems at this point overwhelmingly that the owners are bearing the brunt of the frustration from everybody involved in this. And it, it really is, you know, I think a week ago, it was a little bit unclear what the battle lines were over and, and who was right and who was wrong. And, you know, it's very easy to say, Oh, you have millionaire 
players fighting with billionaire owners and everybody's an asshole, but it's really starting to look like these owners are, uh, are just, you know, they're, they're sort of being mercenary about this. And, uh, you know, so it, I just came across this and, and it's really a good quote from Jeff Passan, uh, I guess ESPN, if you check out his piece on this, because he really goes after, uh, the owners on this, but I thought this was an interesting quote and I'll just share it and we'll move on here. But he says, if you went and got the next 1200 best baseball players in the world, the product would suffer greatly. If you handed MLB teams over to any 30 competent business people, the sport would not suffer. Actually, it might improve. It doesn't take a billionaire to leverage a spot in a legalized monopoly with profound built-in revenues. And I think he's spot on about that. The owners, they just don't care. They're not listening to the players and they've, they're just, uh, they're, they're, they're really playing with fire right now. If they lose opening day, it's, it's big trouble. for. for it seems like they were determined to rub the players' noses in it. And that's what it seems like negotiations. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And, and but don't forget, they've been trying to deal with this for over a year and the owners don't seem to have any urgency. They don't seem to care if they lose opening day. They don't care if they lose spring training. Um, they know they know somewhere some NBA who's told them how many games they need to play to make money. Uh, and they know what their pain point is and they'll walk it right up to that. Uh, so let's see, let's see what they're happens. Miscalculating the pain point because the fan base is going to come back out them hard and not show. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, we've seen some other miscalculations and, and listen, uh, the other baseball news, and, and I don't know if it's tied in or not, uh, but Derek Jeter leaving the Marlins after five years as a, as a 4% owner and as the president of baseball operations, uh, and interestingly, you know, it, it was very sudden that it was announced today. Uh, the quote that he, you know, he gave said all the right things about, oh, so proud of what we've accomplished and thankful for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But he also said the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty intense. Um, you know, I, I think the bottom line is their payroll last year was. 27th out of 30. Um, but you know, he does That's he no does, excuse. Yeah, yeah, I know, right, Milk. But you know, he does leave. He, he apparently he's really strengthened the farm system. And uh Kim Eng is is the first female and Asian general manager. So he does have a little bit of a legacy that he leaves behind. But I am curious if a little bit of him doesn't like being on the ownership side while this while this lockout is happening. And I, I occurred to me that maybe he's sitting there and feels, you know, more like a player than an owner and just thought he couldn't be sitting on that side of the fence while this was going on. I, I wouldn't wow. be surprised if that was part of it. Interesting point. And thought of that. Is the main issue right now this arbitration that so what what is it, Nace? Like the, the players want to be able to go into arbitration earlier on in their career. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, service time manipulation is right. is kind of the phrase they use because they keep guys down like uh, your buddy who's who's standing over your shoulder. Uh, what's his name? Franco. Um, that's a right. Rosemina. Oh, that's a, I can't see your heads. In, it's a in, Rose Campolo. Yeah, your heads. Oh, there you go. Yes, but anyway, they uh, you know they they keep these guys in the minors even when they should be on the roster to start the season. They keep them in the minors until I think it's. May 31st or, or something like that. And then they bring them up and that way they keep them on the under, you know, their rookie contract for an extra season. Uh, and they, you know, they do it intentionally and look, it's not, it's not illegal. It's not against the rules. It's what the rules say, but that's what the players want to change. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just been used. It's been abused. Uh, and so that's one yeah. of the issues. And of course the idea of, of having a salary floor instead of a ceiling is also something so that you don't have teams that have $60 million payrolls like the Marlins and some teams that are spending $200 million on, on payroll every year. So uh, it's a mess. It's really, really a mess. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I don't know if we're going to have a season. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's baseball will. That that if if they lose the entire season, I mean, even I'll acknowledge that would be that'd be just devastating, devastating for baseball. 
So yes. going down that path right now. Yeah. That's a very natural segue into our punchable face of the week. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Cool J with the triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. And I think we had just a unanimous one. We don't even need to spend a lot of time on this, right, Pope? It is blatantly obvious that we got to keep punching Russia and keep punching Putin. There is no other candidate this weekend. I thought we were punching Toby. Sorry. Oh, 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 yeah. I was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Keep going. Sorry, Pope. House then Putin. Right. Okay. House of Putin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just leave it at that. Um, for punchable face of the week. Uh, but, you know, there, there is probably a lasso to, to talk about. Barbecue sauce. Yeah, I want to just give a shout out to these uh, Ukrainian athletes who are taking their president's lead and they're coming home to take up arms and join defense battalions and fight the commie bastard Russians. Uh, you know, you got the mayor of Kiev is Vitaly Klitschko, former uh, heavyweight champion of the world, Hall of Fame boxer. His brother came back, Vladimir, or Vladir. Yeah. Uh, Oleksandr Usyk, also a heavyweight champ, re- returned home and joined the, the fight. Vasily Lomachenko is a current boxer of Ukrainian descent who's out there fighting, living in Greece, came home and joined a defense battalion. And the former Miss Ukraine is, is yeah. fighting. Yeah. That was awesome. God bless you. They're, they are brave. It's, it's heartwarming. I don't know if you saw the story about the 80-year-old man who showed up with his little box and he had two days worth of lunches and a couple of changes of clothes. And he wanted a gun and to join the fight to protect his, his grandkids. I mean, it, it's hard to watch that and not shed a tear, but also, you know, the world of sports is just celebrating the Ukrainians. Um, did you see the, the Premiera Liga, uh, game Benefica versus, uh, Victoria that, that house put out on, on, uh, from yeah. Twitter. I mean, they, they, there's a Ukrainian striker on, on Benfica, Roman Yaramchuk. They put him in with like, I don't know. Half the pronunciation hour. just fucking nailed it. Rooster. Yaramchuk. <laughs> Unbelievable. <Roman> Yaramchuk. <laughs> Yaramchuk. They put him in with, you know, at the 62 minute mark and the captain of the team, who's a former Tottenham guy, Jan Vertagen, is that his name, Pope? Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? Who's the captain of the team? Ran over, gave him the captain's armband, and the crowd just went berserk, cheering for him, just this rapturous cheer to the point where Roman was crying, you know, just out of gratitude. And that's happening everywhere. Now, uh, Man City has announced that their, their Ukrainian player is going to start in the FA Cup. And, you know, the world is just behind all of this. It's just amazing. I think awesome. Putin really underestimated how the entire, and I think you're right, Bison, a lot of it is social media. The, in, the, you know, you can't, you can't control the masses through Russian TV like you used to. We just live in a different world and e- yeah, invading, invading a country it. that hadn't done anything other than <laughs> just sitting there uh, is is not acceptable in the new you know modern world of social media. Yeah, but go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say that Putin's one area where he's completely underestimated is the SMQBs because we have a history of taking down people. Yes, we do. Them in the face. So yeah, well, that's right. This is he better watch out. Putin. Cheers to the cheers. Right. To the I mean, something spirit. may happen in the next week. Yeah. Cheers to the fighting spirit. We'll be at DEFCON 5 next week because of us. Cheers to the fighting spirit of the Ukrainian people. And speaking about SMQB takedowns, 
uh, Phil Mickelson's uh, sponsors Ooh. who have dropped him like a hot potato since they listened to our last show. <laughs> yeah. K- KPMG, Workday, Amstel, and Callaway Golf. And, well, and the PGA Boom. Tour yep. stripped him yep. of his sponsorship of the that tournament. Yeah. Well, we want to get on our here. bad side. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, Putin. All right. All right, guys. Good show. Let's uh, keep. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.